0: I'm just going to read some verses from Ezekiel chapter 1. Sometimes we do go to Isaiah chapter 6 um, to remind ourselves of the majesty of God. I'll just read these verses, which are very similar, I think. You read, a voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. And, And Ezekiel was here talking, he could see into heaven and he could see wheels, and wheels within wheels, and angels. And here it says, A voice came from above the firmament that was above their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. And the likeness of the throne was a likeness of with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, as it were, the colour of amber, the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow. In a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance, the likeness of the glory of of the Lord. Of course, we now, with uh, looking back, we can see that that was uh, the appearance of a man there, high above it. Of course, that's the appearance of uh, Jesus Christ. In his pre-in- pre-incarnate form, and we come this evening to serve the Almighty God who made all everything, from the heavens and the earth. You could please turn with me to Acts chapter 24. This time we were in Acts 7 this morning. Acts chapter 24. I'll read the whole chapter, Acts chapter twenty-four. Now, after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders, and a certain orator named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul, and when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying. See that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity. Is being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it always. And in all places most noble Felix. With all thankfulness. Nevertheless not to be. Tedious to you any further. I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we have found this man. A plague. A creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by and, with great violence, took him out of our hands commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him, yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. The Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know you have been For many years a judge of this nation. I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain. That it is no more than twelve days. Since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. They neither found me in the temple. Disputing with anyone. Nor inciting the crowd either in the synagogues or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead both of the just and the unjust this being so I myself always strive to have a conscience without offence toward God and men now after many years I came to bring arms and offerings to my nation in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple neither with a a mob nor with a tumult they ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing to me while I stood before the council Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out, standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision. On your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him, but after two years, Porcius Paus- Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favour, left Paul bound. So well, it's the word of God. we we'll be thinking a, a little bit, but we'll be thinking about that passage a little later on. please turn again to acts chapter twenty four and while you're doing that, I want to ask you this question you're a Christian here someone asked you what the Christian faith is all about. what would you say? well here in verse twenty four it says after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And I'm sure he would have liked to have been, what they, you know, what they call a fly on the wall in yeah. that situation, hearing how Paul would uh, explain the faith to Felix. And this can happen to us too. Someone may come up to us and ask us. Why we believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul answered that question by reasoning with Felix. Engaging with Felix. And here we have three people mentioned here. Felix, his wife, Drusilla. And Paul, well who were these people? First of all we have Paul, he's a prisoner, Paul the Apostle, he's a prisoner because he preached the gospel, he knew all about persecution because he had been a persecutor himself, he had once locked up people in prison, and now he was here as there in the prison himself. he once delighted in putting those Christians in prison and torturing them, men and women that followed the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, we were thinking a little bit about Stephen this morning, and he was there wasn 't he giving his approval to those who stoned Stephen to death and he went to extraordinary lengths to bring down the Christians even going to Damascus to punish them but a remarkable change happened on that road God met with him the Lord Jesus met with him and that zeal that was once Against the gospel. Became a zeal. For the gospel. And here. In these chapters here. In the context of this chapter. Paul was teaching about Christ. In the temple at Jerusalem. And the Jews stirred up a great crowd. Against him. They spread vicious lies. About him. And. The city was in uproar of what he was saying they were shouting away with him and we read that a Roman commander had to take him before before they killed him the malice of those against him only served to give him opportunities to speak about Christ to speak about Christ with people who he would normally not come across whenever Paul was brought before councils and tribunals and before crowds of people often he would turn the tables on them it was them that were put under the spotlight it was them that were put on trial and examined And it was as if the Lord God Almighty, the great judge of all humanity, had taken the place of this poor prisoner. And that's very true of this, this encounter that we have between Paul and Felix. Felix was interrogating Paul. He wasn't, but Paul wasn't concerned to. Say the right things to so that he could get off and get himself free. No, what, what does he do? He reasons with Felix, he talks about him, about the faith. His first concern was not, oh, how do I get out of this prison? How do I get out of this sticky situation? No. He knew that he was there for a very good reason. Providence of God had led him there. Here was an opportunity to speak of Christ. To Felix. If you were maybe counselling Paul. Maybe you might say to him. Well don't, don't get yourself into trouble. Stay quiet. But that's not what he does. He speaks to Felix, about Christ. And what do we know about Felix and his wife, Drusilla? Well, Felix was once a slave himself under Claudius, who freed him. And he had many connections to the Romans, to the rulers in that day. And in those days, you didn't rise to such a position without... Uh, trampling on a few people as you as you rose up within the hierarchy, and he was a ruthless man. He would betray anyone at a drop of a hat. In many ways, he's very similar to Herod. Uh, Peter, Paul was talking about him last week. The evil Herod the Great, and his son wasn't much better, and his grandson was, was also the same tyrants, wicked. Felix had become the governor of Judea, using schemes, and with the history books tell us that he was all was severely punished by Emperor Nero for extortion. So. You can see what sort of person he was. He could be bribed. He could turn a blind eye to to people who he (laughs) favoured. And I'm sure Paul knew all about him. And it was a very deliberate thing that he spoke to him here about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come. Now, did he hear him? I'm sure he, he was listening intently. But we get a clue of his attitude here, where it says, meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. He could be bribed. He was maybe waiting for a way of making some money out of this situation. But Paul continues to speak to him. Well, what does he speak to him about? Well, first of all, he speaks about the righteousness of God. And the scriptures tell us that God is righteous. What does righteousness mean? Well, very simply, it means doing what is right. Uh, It is where our behaviour is strictly in accordance to some moral law. And we have laws in this country. We obey the laws of this land. But the law of God goes much further than any national rules and laws, doesn't it? You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not covet. There's no law, as far as I am aware of that in this country but the law of God tells us not to covet there are many other laws and commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not bear false witness you shall love the, God, the Lord with all your heart, soul and mind and have no, other, have no idols And sadly some people do have idols don't they it's not Again, that's not against the law of this land. A righteous person, a true righteous person, obeys God's law. Many times the Bible refers to the righteousness of God. Righteous are you, are you O Lord. Upright are your judgments, your testimonies which you have commanded. Are righteous, they're right and very faithful, and we must be like that, all of us. But the problem is, we're not. God demands perfect righteousness from everyone and everything, everything that we do is compared to the righteousness of God he promises rewards to those who are obedient and also he promises punishment to those who transgress he will render to each one according to his deeds whether good or evil and if someone wrongs us we're very quick, aren't we, to seek justice. If we break God's laws, there must be a penalty for all unrighteousness. And this is the justice of God. We, we demand it, don't we, in, the, in our country. When we see evil done on our streets... We demand justice. God demands justice. Even more so. And Paul speaks of the justice of God. In the punishment of sin. Those that practice unrighteousness. In his letter to the Romans. And there he gives a list of all the things. That. Invoke the wrath of God, unrighteousness. He speaks of sexual immorality. He speaks of wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. Haters of God, violent, proud, boasters. Again, there's no no law in our country against that inventors of evil things disobedient to parents undiscerning untrustworthy, unloving unforgiving unmerciful who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve of those who practice them. And as Paul was going through this list of things, I'm sure Felix was now feeling very uncomfort- com- uncomfortable. Maybe we're feeling uncomfortable as we hear this list of things. And in his mind, I'm sure that he could, he could tick. put a tick next to many of those things that Paul had mentioned. And it's quite evident that he fell woefully short of the righteousness required of him. And we fall woefully short of the righteousness required of us. Romans 3 verse 13 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we have fallen short, then we do incur the wrath of God upon us. That wrath hangs over us. And you might think, well, I've only done a little thing, a little sin here, there, here, here, maybe there. But if we sin once, it will be as if we have broken every law there is. We're told that. For whoever shall keep the whole law. And yet stumble in one point. He is guilty of all. So none of us come up to God's standard. None of us. And Paul was telling Felix these things. But he also, I'm sure, told him about faith in Christ. And here we have the good news. Because there's another aspect to God's righteousness. We also see his righteousness in the salvation that he brings to lost sinners. God must be true to his nature. And we're told on so many times... Of the goodness of God. We're told in Psalm 145 verse 9. That the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger. And great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Because he is righteous. He shows great loving kindness. And when God shows his grace. He is showing his righteousness. That's the wonder of it. And so often those two are seen together. Psalm 116 says. Gracious is the Lord. And righteous. See there. Those two words together. Yes our God is merciful. God is just. He must punish sin. Because he is righteous. But because he is righteous. He shows us grace and mercy. And Paul was one who looked to the righteousness of Christ. He says that he counted all things loss. All the things that he'd done. in Rubbish. Tainted with sin. So that he could gain Christ. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, he says, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. That's the righteousness he wanted. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. but By believing in Jesus, we can have his righteousness given to us, put to our account. On account of our faith. That's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He was obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. He made him who knew no sin. To be sin for us. And what was the result of that? We read. That he might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, how can we claim this righteousness for our own? A righteousness that we don't possess. How? Well, by putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and following him. That's what Paul was telling Felix. And then he also turned to their own behaviour told them about self-control and Felix and Drusilla did not know much about that they lived their life in sin now Drusilla was we are told was a Jewess and she had married a heathen king she deserted we're told her husband when Felix came onto the scene and Felix himself lacked self-control over his love for money we're told now Martin Lloyd Jones wrote that self-control is what makes the difference between a man and an animal when we think of animals they, they, they behave very much according to their instincts their desires and impulses govern their behaviour but God has made man to govern their instincts. He's made us to be different from the animals. He's given us a conscience. He's met, he made us in His image. We're the pinnacle of His creation to give glory to Him. But we don't, we don't live in His image, do we? We give in to sin. We have no self control. The Bible says that by nature we're servants of sin. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. It has control over you, not the other way around. And I want to ask you, do you control your sin or does it control you? Do you do what's right in your own eyes? Do your desires control you? Well, things change when a person becomes a Christian. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he writes, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. In your lack of self control. In, what, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. In the lusts of our flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Once we acted as though we were dead. To anything to do with God. Nothing said about God had any impact upon us. But then God is gracious and drew drew us to himself. And by believing, the Holy Spirit helps us to realize all that the Bible says about us is true. We begin to see things differently. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us strength to say no to sin. Now God certainly doesn't give us deliverance from everything. There are things that we continue to struggle with, besetting sins. If anyone says that he is without sins, oh you know, they're deceiving themselves. But he does give us that ability to say no. And as a Christian, you have this assurance sin shall not have dominion over you and one of the gifts of the holy spirit is that were, we're told about one of the idols we you know that bit, that long list but one of them is self-control and this surely challenged felix as he considered his own life fell way short of how God wanted him to live his life. Well, what about you? And then finally, Paul reasoned with Felix about the judgment to come. Because God is righteous, he judges all that we do. We're told that God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. We're told that each one of us will give an account to ourselves, to God. For what we have done. Even those secret things that we think people don't know about. Not just outward actions, but thoughts too. And people act like there is no judgment today. That things will just go on as they have done since things began and people think that uh, they'll be safe that things won't change their inner thought is that their houses will last forever it says in Psalm 49 verse 11 well the Bible repeatedly tells us that the certainty Of judgment when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, when every person, (coughs) small and great, who has ever lived, will stand before His throne, and God will will judge according to all the facts and according to the truth. We've just seen a case, haven't we? Just recently, it's been in the news and on the television about. The case of these people who worked for the post office. They were falsely accused of stealing money. And it turned out to be a computer bug that was giving the wrong figures of how much they owed. And we all know that the justice system is not perfect, they make mistakes. But not so with God. He knows everything. He is perfect in knowledge. We cannot deceive him. When a person is on the witness stand in court, they can. they make an oath, don't they, to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then when they're on the witness stand, they can lie and lie and lie again. but we can't do that with God he is not biased he is not partial he will not make any errors at all and he will he will not deal with people unjustly but justly he will examine all the facts and evidence evidence that no earthly court could ever have access to And once he has made a judgment, that is it. His judgment is final. There's no court of appeal in the court of God. And we know that every one of us stands guilty before God. We must really consider that this evening. This morning we were thinking that we can't leave anything out from the gospel. And these things are hard to hear. But we must say these things. But again there is hope. The moment we believe in Christ our sins are washed away. All our guilty stains are removed. We are pardoned. God sees us in union with Christ, wearing his righteousness. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He has good news. We must see our sinfulness, and we must also see the amazing grace that is given to us in Christ. One of the ways we can understand God's view of sin is to think again about the sufferings of Christ on the cross. And, uh, and this is a good thing to think about as we again come to the Lord's table this evening, the price that was paid by our Savior to save us from our sins. That method of execution, crucifixion. It was the worst method of execution that's ever been invented. He went to the cross to take our punishment. We're told in second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, of him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him he was made sin during those hours on the cross he experienced the full measure of God's wrath so much so that he said my God, my God why have you forsaken me? Well, if you're a Christian here he's done that for you he knew the horror of what he was going to endure and there was a point where he didn't really want to go through with it oh my father if it is possible let this cut pass from me he knew what he was going to go through and yet he did go through with it If the Holy Son of God could say that, what about you? What about that wrath that will be poured out upon you? But that won't happen if you put your trust in Him. And finally, what was Felix's reaction? What was the outcome of this conversation? Paul had talked to him about the faith. But we're told that he trembled. And surely he knew that he did not possess. The spotless robes of Christ's righteousness. And what do we hear him say? He said go away for now. When I have a convenient time. I will call upon you. Is God to wait for you to have a convenient time. We're told in the, the Bible that we must seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. And he may be nearer to you now than, than ever before, today. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You may never have. Another opportunity. That more convenient time. May never come. Some people that think that they will come. They put it off. Oh I plead with you. Not to put it off. But to turn to him. Paul must have been so disappointed when he heard those words. Go away for now. Oh, I urge you, don't go back to your sins. But go to Christ and leave those sins at his cross. That's the best place for all of your sins. At the foot of his cross. Will you go there? when you go there. Let's pray.